Hi, I'm Terry, Instagram's sassy sober mum. Welcome to my podcast, Sober Stories from Everyday People, bringing you stories from people just like you and I. The aim of this podcast is to share our experiences with drinking and how we got and stayed successfully sober. Did you know that you can now get access to more of my content, education, support and guidance in the new Thrive community platform? Thrive is a place to connect with like-minded individuals who are all on the journey of living alcohol-free. You can gain access to materials and a video library of toolkit ideas which will help keep you grounded as well as boost your emotional sobriety. It's a place to celebrate milestones, big or small, and connect with me directly via weekly lives and a weekly Q&A session in Zoom. No matter where you are in your quest to live a happy, free and sober life, there is plenty to gain from Thrive. Membership is just £20 a month and none of the internal tools are gated, so you won't be asked to pay more for courses and tools once you're in there. Please head over to www.sassysobermum.com slash thrive or click the link in my Insta bio. Look forward to seeing you. Hello and welcome to Sober Stories from Everyday People. Today I have Irene from Scotland who has been sober since February this year, which is almost nine months. That's fantastic, Irene. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me here. That's an absolute pleasure. So let's dig into a little bit about who you are and get to know you a little bit. So if you could introduce yourself, that'd be marvellous. I am Irene and I am soon to be 42. I live in central Scotland, pretty easy access to both Edinburgh and Glasgow. Um, My full-time mum to four, full-time employee, constantly juggling life um probably like most of us uh, running from here there and everywhere um quite busy but um but you wouldn't have it any other way that's what I say to myself <laughs> imagine it any other way I don't know what I did with all my time in fact <laughs> back in my drinking days I'm glad I didn't have any more time because god knows what would have happened to me if I had spare time and spare money <laughs> So let's understand um, that picture a bit more then. Describe your life with alcohol. What did that look like? I think, I suppose when you're growing up, you don't really think much about it. You think your life is the same as everybody else's. And I guess we were introduced to alcohol when we were like at high school, very early in high school, and we started drinking on a Friday and Saturday, hanging about with all the boys. I guess it was probably a means to fit in, but peer pressure. Um, mm-hmm. And it probably spiralled from there. It was every weekend. Every weekend you could get money. And I was quite fortunate that I had friends whose parents let us stay and my parents never really, I guess, I, it was a really bad start to alcohol. And I think in Scotland in particular, I mean, we're well known for loving the booze and probably getting a bit rowdy with it I think 
in a way, it's like one of these things, it's like a badge of honour. It's like, yeah, I'm wild when I've got a drink. Yeah. And I think probably from about the age of 13 up to, I'm going to probably say up to my early 30s, I enjoyed alcohol. That isn't to say that I didn't get drunk and I didn't behave wildly, but I didn't feel like I was any different to anyone else. Yeah. Um, and having two young boys in my 20s and being a single parent, it probably did limit how much alcohol I drank in those days. It was when I didn't have some, I would drink. And I think, I think back to things like drinking and then getting in my car the following day, those were, these are real things to me that I think, oh my God, I'm so lucky I didn't lose my mm. license. My whole life just revolved about alcohol and it was like, everybody else does this, don't they? It, yeah. That's, I guess it was so, it's so normal in our culture that for me, I felt just normal. Um, and I think that is very much a part of why we all feel like it's normal and other people try and normalise it, even when your behaviours um, shady at times they're like oh you weren't that bad what yes but, so it, it, uh, it wasn't until my 30s until I had my second batch of children that I really started to notice that um, my drinking became more intense it was like oh it's Friday let's get into the drink because it was that time um, yeah which uh, I I guess the hard bit is it felt it started to feel wrong to me. But my mum gave up drinking; uh, she developed an allergy to it. So I had from probably my younger years, probably when I started drinking, my mum hadn't. I guess in my kind of real memory of my mum, I don't remember her drinking alcohol. So at least I had that one person in my life mm. that I can sit and say that's also normal, and I feel, I feel quite lucky for that. Yeah. Yeah, I had that yeah yeah that's a good reference point isn't it being able to look back on that and 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 have that like you say as a sort of example that it can be a different way I think I think it's really common you know it comes up in a lot of people's stories um on this show and it was true for me too that there was just such a it was just such a normalization around this alcohol use. And we've really been very heavily conditioned um, to drink alcohol. And yeah, I mean, what, 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 what would you say about that in terms of your sort of upbringing? And, you know, I know obviously you've got your mom that was a reference point, someone who didn't drink. My dad didn't drink either. But other than that, was it kind of quite party environment, your house or, yeah, what did that look like? Well, it's funny because my dad never drank at home. Um, that was something that I would say was quite normal for us, that um, if he drank, he went to the pub to drink. And I think my mum always had um, complaints about that. Like, it was quite... She hated it. She hated the drinking thing. And it that so in a way, we thought now I see it's normal. But at the time I was like, God, my mum's so boring. Like, and you couldn't come back to my house if you'd had the drink because my mum didn't drink. So you knew you were gonna get captured if you went in there with the smell of booze on you because unlike maybe other mums and dads who'd had a drink, she would yeah. smell it. 
a mile off. And I don't know, I, I guess we weren't used to the drinking culture in the house. They put up a big party at New Year um, mm. and that was quite common. But even at Christmas, like everyone always used to say, oh, you, would, you won't drink in front of your mum. And I, I wouldn't because she's quite judgmental. Like she would... So at Christmas, I'd wait until my mum had went away back home or that we went back home before I would st- get stuck into the booze. Um, yeah. And I think probably I've got three older brothers and I'd say we're all pr- pretty similar in that regard. Being drunk in front of my mum wasn't ever something that would have been regarded as acceptable, not to her anyway. So we probably hid it a little bit. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. So in your in your thirties, um, and, and you said you had your sort of next wave of of children, and you mentioned that it started to feel wrong. Could you just talk through that 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 kind of decade, I suppose? Because yeah, there, there would have been a, a, a good decade there, wouldn't there, where maybe the drinking was happening? Yeah. I mean, God, there were incidents incidents that led me to times I definitely prefer to forget that mm-hmm. like getting pulled up by the police for um, my behaviour which obviously isn't for a grown woman in a professional role not exactly ideal um, mm. I think also like I was caring for my aunt and our dying days at the kind of final part of last year and I'd said, well, I'm not going to drink. Um, I, I need this. She was terminally ill and I can't drink because I need to be focused on mm-hmm. looking after her here. And I couldn't. One night I got absolutely wrecked and I couldn't remember putting her to bed. She was totally fine. Um, my husband's like, you were totally fine. You were totally conscious at the time. And I'm like, I broke myself up after that. I was like, God, the one time I had to do this. like, And I couldn't do it. I couldn't stay sober for her who needed me. I needed to lift her into her bed. I needed to take her to the bathroom. But he was like, she was fine. I'm like, by luck. Yeah. Not by, not because I was a careful, considerate yeah. human being. I was lucky that she didn't get hurt. Or, and he was like, I would never let that happen. I'm like, this was my responsibility, not yours. So that was like a real time like I kind of that was a probably a real moment in my head like you have an issue here like imagine not being able to do that for this person that you love more than anything but the other stuff I probably in more recent times I wasn't I didn't go out and party I'm having so many kids I'm like in the house all the time yeah but what I'd find is I'd drink a bottle of Prosecco and I'd be ill all the next day I couldn't get out of my bed like my husband be having to basically be a single parent to the kids all day and I was so ashamed of that. I mean, two days is all you get off of the weekend. And that's really what my, my weekends, if I drank, became like. And there were times where on a Sunday morning, I'd maybe had too much to drink the night before. I'd have to take a taxi to take my kids to a birthday party or something like that because mm-hmm. I was conscious that I can't drive or I couldn't go and get the shop in that day because I couldn't drive. So it didn't just impact that day and it didn't just impact me. It was starting to impact everybody and everything and it was like I suppose at the time you don't really see it but as I look back I think god people must have realized that I was still drunk from the night before and what all of that was I I guess it just took me to really sit up and think what a mess Mm. I used to work in a pub and I used to think 
I never want to look like that old lady because she'd be steaming drunk, coming up to the bar, shouting, heckling the young barman. And I think I actually became that woman. Mm. Like, and it's and I think it's easy done. It's I think it's an easy path for anybody to walk down. Um, and I do sometimes wonder, like when my friends say you weren't that bad, and I get that a lot. Mm. Or you get people thinking, my God, were you an alcoholic? And I think I don't want to define what I was. And I certainly don't think I was an alcoholic, but I definitely had a problem where if I started, if I had that one drink, I don't yes. know when my last, last drink was going to be because yeah. I became a different person when I had alcohol. I, I don't believe that that person you become is you but enhanced. Things I did under the influence of alcohol I would never have done sober. Like, it's mm. crazy to me. And if, it's such a frightening concept that people want to say, that's you. That's, like, no, that isn't me. I refuse to believe that. And if that is me, and I've had a drink, then she can stay away. Mm. I don't want her in my life. Like, I wouldn't want her in my life. I don't know why anybody else would, would want me in their life behaving like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, I think like the reality for other people is they want to tell you you're not that bad but what I'm actually hearing is I'm not that bad they're not thinking about you because they weren't watching your every move or you were drunk they don't mm-hmm. know what you did when you came home or that you smashed a glass and cut your hand and had to go up to the hospital or I guess it's kind of like no I, I was that but and maybe my standards are different than yours but for mm-hmm. me I don't want my kids growing up thinking yeah, it's okay to come in and be drunk. And I think um, my children now just assume that I've never drunk, which I think is mad like, and good at the same time because I think me having that figure of my mum being a sober person, I want my children to be able to see that as well and say, oh, that's that's my mum. She doesn't drink. Um, yeah, yeah. I and hope- feel proud of it, kind of. It's It's something, yeah to be I mean is that has has, has it changed your perception of your own mum now that you've stopped drinking when you we've bonded oh like completely like because she sees um like she can see me really changing she knows that I've made a big effort and yeah I think I I do understand her now. I mean, she had an allergy, but everybody kind of spoke about, do you think it's an allergy? Do you think she just doesn't want to drink? And there was a lot of analysis over it and judgment at the time. But my mum, I would say, she she would say, I don't want to go out for drinks. She's like, I'll go out for a meal and we can have drinks with it. Whereas in order to socialise, if I had to go out with my friends to a pub or my husband to a pub, I could still cope with that. I wouldn't want to be there until three in the morning, admittedly. Mm. And I think um, Matt Pink talks about that. He's like, yeah, I'm home in my bed for a living, but I've been out for a few drinks. And I get that. I, I completely relate to that because I'm tired. I don't know what the hell they put in alcohol that makes you stay up beyond 11. But now that I don't have it, I am <laughs> tucked up in bed. I was going to say 11. I think for me, it's like 9.45. <laughs> Oh, well, I mean, we'd actually, we laughed because I'm a celebrity's way now and we're like, oh, thank God for that. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> we were like really burning the candle at both ends. No, I totally agree. That. Which yeah. it's, it's really sad and we're like that Monday to Sunday. So for anyone, people are like, oh, yeah, well, I'll finish early. I think it's 12 and we're like, what? But because when you're oh. driving, 
you can go. You can go any time, which is brilliant. I think yes. I love having the car. Uh, I always was Desmond, designated driver up here um, because Chrissy's family live quite far away. So if there was ever an event, I would always be the driver, which probably saved my shame at his family events. Um, but now it's quite good that it's I can drive anywhere and at any time. Yeah. Which, uh, it's such a freedom, isn't it? It's such a simple thing, I think, just knowing that no matter what, time it is you know not whether it's late in the evening or I mean my children are still quite young my oldest is nine so I, I don't have teenagers that need lifts and things but I do feel just so relieved that I haven't got all of that dilemma of well you know I can't drink tonight because I might need to pick up a child and just being able to get in your car and do something late at night just feels like such a gift so it's bizarre isn't it that that becomes so I don't know it's it's a freedom it's that yes. liberation and, and funnily enough my son who's 15 had went to a concert in Glasgow and he'd missed their stop on the way back and usually it's like an Aberdeen train and Aberdeen is like three hours north of where I live and he fell asleep now he fell asleep at the, and he woke, got woken up at the next stop so he jumped off the train but he phoned me and it was after midnight um, and was like mom I fell asleep on the train um, can you come and get me and I was like, yes, yes, I can. Now, yeah. it would have been a 30, 40 pound taxi fare otherwise, so he wouldn't have been completely stuck. But it did feel quite good having that mm. capability of going away and getting in the car. Um, and it, I think that's it. It's when you become a parent, you're a person that has to take care of people. It's, it's a responsibility that I hold proud. I'm like, this is my job. I'm taking care of these people. And I think I have a bit of embarrassment thinking back to say well were you doing that job as well as you could back then but then I kind of cut that off of the past and said you know what you can't go back Mm. you can only be the best person from today and that might not make up for everything but you shouldn't be ashamed of your past it's brought you to where you are so yeah Yeah, that's that's so nice I, I think I think sometimes we can get a bit overly caught up in the past when we stop drinking, it's easy to look back and just feel lots and lots of shame and embarrassment. And also that kind of, I wish I did it sooner. And, but you're right, you know, it, it, you are where you are now and that's the best that it can be. And that's, you know, just be, I think, be grateful that at least we got here. Cause I do think that there's a lot of people out there probably maybe even wanting to, look at their drinking but they don't because it is such a big change and it's so scary and or maybe people are stuck in denial because that denial can really get you in its grips <laughs> for a long time um and some people don't move through that and so i think that by the very fact that we get here and we have this opportunity it's it is a real blessing really i also think as well sometimes people can equally get overly caught up in the future as well because it's kind of like oh my god is this it am I am I never going to drink again how do I say forever and you know that can also be just not good for us and it's just trying to learn to center ourselves in the day that we're in today 
and just feel grateful for the things that we've got and the changes we've already made. I think that's really a lovely message and it's very important. I, I do think that the the one day at a time thing, the one minute, the one drink, just whatever it takes. I, I gave up smoking back, I think, 29 because I was just before I turned 30. Um, and that was the hardest thing that I've ever done. so hard, isn't it? To stop smoking, that's... And it, it, it was a forever. It was like, mm-hmm. I'll never smoke again. Yeah. Because now I think, oh my God, I would never smoke like, again. Thank God I don't. <laughs> like, especially how expensive it is. But you think, yeah. why did I do that? I know. And I think that you're right. That long range of, no, you can't look that far ahead because you get mm. panicked. And you think, yes. until you're over the hurdle of detoxing and getting out, getting out of the habit, you need to just work your way through that really slowly because... Mm. That that fear of that wholesale change is it's horrible, and it is really I, I, the thing I always say it now. But when they took away from garages, and now you can't see cigarettes there, that used to be my hardest place. So I would fuel up on a Sunday when I felt at my strongest and go nowhere near a garage because I knew if I went into that garage, I might walk away with a packet of Benson and Hedges inadvertently just because I'd asked for them because that's what I did every single time I was in there. So. I found ways of managing that, like, where's your weak spot, right? Avoid it as best you possibly can. And I didn't, I gave up during the summer, which was a horrible time to give up because everyone's outside in beer gardens, sneaking. And I think this year I've not done that many barbecues for similar reasons where I'm kind of like, barbecues. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, nothing better than drinking a cider in the sun. And I'm like, oh. But I have found alcohol-free been brilliant for me in those situations where I've had holidays and stuff. It's been it's been a real go-to, but I'm not as reliant on them as I think I was at the very beginning. Yeah, I, I was the same, actually. I used um, alcohol-free alternatives at first, but I think I just I kind of grew out of them. For me personally, quite, you know, I think a, co- a couple of months in, I just thought, right, instead of having my alcohol-free beer, I'm going to have a lime and soda or a blackcurrant squash or, um, yeah, diet Pepsi or something like that. Um, so still still had a drink, but I just kind of, I think I grew out of it. And I don't overly crave those drinks now. The only thing I, the only, the only drinks I, I do really like at the moment for special occasions not every day really but some of the new snazzy alcohol-free kind of spirit or you know the alternatives for cocktails or bits of it you know some of those are quite fun and um, they don't really taste like the real thing but that's good because because I don't really necessarily want to really taste tequila <laughs> you know because I didn't no. I never liked it <laughs> so but you know I do think that um at Christmas I'm excited because I've got some different kinds of drinks but yeah, but if we like, if we go back to what talk to me about the day that you woke up and said, "Right, that's it. I'm not. I'm not going to. I'm going to try and stop this now." I think um, after my aunt passed away, so she passed away in the December. Um, I said, "I'm not going to drink over Christmas. I have to stay away from it. I need to get through the funeral. The funeral was on the 22nd of December, and I thought, right, get past New Year because I was quite worried about." plummeting into some form of drinking hole at that point especially because you're not going to work mm. and you're off and and basically 
I got through all of that and it was almost like I was like right now you can have a drink and I did and my husband came home from the football one night and had been drinking vodka and it was a Thursday night and he was like you've been drinking vodka this vodka had been in the cupboard for god knows how long I was like yeah and it was in a pint glass and he was kind of looking at me and thinking I could tell he was like what are you doing I'm like oh it's just vodka I just fancy the wee drink you went in and then there was a few days beyond that and then then a couple of days, I almost drank solidly, not to huge extents, but almost solidly for like a couple of weeks. But I'd have a glass of wine. Or just, and I got to almost the end of February and it was coming up to Lent. And I was like, I need to stop this. I need to, I need to stop. I'm in, the, I'm in the spiral that I said that I wasn't going to get into. And I kept going back to the night that I really failed my aunt. I'm like, you need to stop. This is it. That that is the the message that you were being brought. She's brought you this. Take that and stop drinking, Irene. And I thought, right, okay. If I tell everyone I've given up for Lent, that's a plausible thing. Yeah. So I I gave up for Lent, and it was a couple of weeks into Lent. I said to my husband, I think I've given up completely. I don't want to tell anyone else that, but that's where it was for me. And I think. I just felt like my whole life had went out of control so mm-hmm. quickly that that it was almost like I thought you've got this anchor you've got this ability to bring it back I didn't see where the end would be if I didn't stop it right there and then so it, it probably wasn't any single catastrophic event which I did yeah. many of prior to that um, it was after a number of and just the shame of thinking I'd really let her down and I think when I came off the drinking and really thought about that for a long enough period of time, my absolute shame, but the realisation that it had taken control of me. Yeah. Like, I, I loved that person more than anything else in the world and I couldn't stop the need to, to get drunk. I know it probably was grieving because I knew she was dying, but mm. that's no excuse. Like, I had been given a job and I'd so I think there was a whole culmination but I think that's the thing people think was it one big dastardly event well not really actually of all the events I ever had in my life it was probably one of the the least if I'm being honest it was probably quite low key and nobody mm. knew about it apart from me and my husband um, and my aunt was like you were fine you were gibbering rubbish <laughs> so yeah. she was but I just it's it's one of those and it it will always be there on my shoulder reminding me of that day because I think sometimes you need to keep a hold of a wee bit of that Mm. this spur I I think for me anyway yeah yeah no I I understand that it's almost like there was a little bit of a there was a little switch wasn't there that was flicked in that following that incident if you like and yeah, like like you, I I didn't have the big um the big story. It, it was just a normal night out with girlfriends where I just got a bit too drunk again, <laughs> you know. But I just a switch happened, and when I woke it's, up, I just felt different, and I just I, I'd had enough. I I think it's like a mirror held up at you, mm. like with some like you believe you're a certain person, yeah. On that morning, somebody held a mirror up, yes. and I had to look in it and say. I'm not the person that I thought I was, that I try and tell people I am, the people I try and portray myself, like I try and portray myself as this. 
person. And even when I remember taking my aunt from the hospital and the palliative care team telling me, oh, you're so good for doing this. And all I could think about was, oh, I'm so embarrassed if those people mm. could see me now. And I know that some people say, well, you wouldn't be the only person in that situation. I don't care because that's not who I thought I was. So yeah. I need to be the person that I think I am because she isn't me. And that person wasn't me. I refused to accept that alcohol changed me and not for the good. Yeah. That's so powerful. Um, I love that. I really love that. I've never thought of it like that before, you know, holding up the mirror in front of our face. Because I agree. I think I'd got myself in this constant um merry-go-round of you know I've got a handle on my drinking I was sort of almost convincing myself I I can handle it I can moderate I can manage this and I think when I went out on that night out and I went over the top and I blacked out and I, I just wasn't anywhere near the best version of myself I think it made me realize because that mirror was being held up it made me realize made me see who I really was And I think I realized in that moment that there was a disconnect between what I thought I was or what I thought I had a handle on and what I really was. And that was pretty horrible, that feeling. And it's hard. And I think we're quite similar in the sense that I am, I love fitness. I love running. I love exercising. I love, and I like to think of myself as being somebody who's really healthy. I eat healthy and like people see me as being healthy and then I'm like how can I be healthy when I'm pumping that into my body every week and I used to plan my training schedules around oh I've got that party right well do the long run on the Friday then because I'll be (laughs) a waste of space on the Sunday and I'll do a run before it and like I would work out my alcohol around my training schedule and my training schedule around the alcohol and it's I think back to those Early events where I was like, God, how much better would I have been if I hadn't yeah. been drinking during that period? And and I feel quite lucky because I've signed up for another event, which is much harder, I would say, mentally. But one of the key things that our PTs like, yes, yeah, so we're not overindulge at Christmas on the old booze, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> like it feels good to know that yes. like, Christmas may contain more chocolate. Yeah. And not some other guff that won't help yeah. me, but like I don't have to worry about ever not feeling capable of getting up in the morning because I've drank too much. And that's like a superpower. I feel oh, like totally, totally. And it also, you know, it makes you feel quite smug, but not in a I don't mean that in a way it's kind of judgmental to other people. It's just it's just such a lovely feeling, isn't it? I, I remember when I was pregnant with Sadie. Um, she's nearly two I wasn't drinking um, you know I've, I basically have, I haven't drunk for just over three years so I was sort of quite quite a way into my not drinking then but when you had the forms you know how much alcohol you're having a week and you can take none you know it's all those sorts of things isn't it like you just feel so proud of yourself almost a bit smug that you're just like I well I don't drink like that is not I don't have to lie about that I don't have to dread it. You know, I don't have to, like you're saying, don't have to go into Christmas thinking, God, I hope I don't do something crazy this year. I hope I can manage to keep it all together at the Christmas party or whatever, you know, because you just feel smug knowing that you don't have those worries. 
and I think those anymore. are the highs. Like yeah. those are the because there are difficult times. There are yeah. times when, for whatever reason, um, not everyone's accepting. So I suppose in a way, those that happy kind of smug time is the kind of counterbalance of when people make you feel a bit rubbish or yeah. try and rub it in your face. And it's like, and actually, you don't necessarily think about it at the time, but you think how great that feeling is it's like, as you say it's like how much do you drink over a week one to 14 units you're like did you say week or a day like, yeah oh. <laughs> one to 14 and I can see the man's is like one to 28 and it's like oh okay because I'm pretty yeah. sure like a few bottles of wine at the weekend and it's you're right I think um because there are times that are hard like telling people I'm so proud to tell people that I don't drink and there will always be the assumption that I don't know that I was an alcoholic, but you know what? I, I don't want a badge to say I was an alcoholic, but you know what? If you want to give me that badge, it's a bloody good badge to take because I'm not doing that anymore. It's the same with drug addicts. And people have these kind of perceptions of these people. And these people are just me and you mm. who have faced something really difficult, but they've overcome it. And yeah. having done smoking and now drinking, I can only imagine how difficult their journey is and how how hard to turn around from the position of people being so judgmental and mm-hmm. saying, well, you know, I mean, you made a, you were a heroin addict. That's quite a prevalent issue around where I live and particularly where I went to school. So many boys got into heroin, quite a few of them were gone now. And I support them all the time. Like if I see them or if I see them on Instagram, I'm like, we're doing amazing, like stick with it. Because people don't necessarily judge us for turning our life around not to our faces. I'm pretty sure that people are like, oh, well, yeah, they must have had a real problem. Mm. But drug addicts have an even bigger one. And you know yeah. what? If I have to stand beside them and say, we had our problems, but we've beaten off our demons and mm. I will continue to fight them off day in, day out. And I would love to help other people fight theirs. Um, standing up to be counted and saying, yeah, I had a problem and... Yeah. I've, I own that and I've, I've fixed it and, I, and I'm not going to say for one minute that I might not slip at some point and I just hope that the team around me are going to be like right get back up um, mm. because that's what you need you need a good support system around you to, um, to, to really get through it because it can be difficult I think um, yeah it can I agree I feel I feel frustrated by this narrative that you've got to have this big problem to stop drinking. Like you say, even if you had a problem with alcohol, which, by the way, most people do have a problematic relationship with alcohol. Um, well, I say most people. Obviously, there's lots and lots of people that don't drink, but people that are drinking kind of even just every week, you know, or, or having one glass of wine but every night you know that the there are different variations of what this kind of problem in inverted commas can look like and I think what people forget is that alcohol is highly addictive it is a drug it is a drug you know and it it frustrates me that somebody who is probably polishing off three or four bottles of wine a week or you know half a bottle of whiskey at the weekend and would look at me who was having four bottles or five bottles of wine and would say that I've got a problem you know it's 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 there's so much projection 
of other people's relationships with alcohol in that situation. And there's still so much stigma around wanting to stop drinking. And, you know, whether you're, you know, whether you think you're an alcoholic, somebody or, you know, you're, or you're, or you're not, I mean, I don't, I don't particularly like the word alcoholic personally, to be honest, but you know, whatever people decide to identify with, I just, I think it's wrong that, that society would try to make you feel some shame (laughs) for trying to remove a, a carcinogenic, toxic, poisonous substance from your weekly life. I mean, it's just, it's just so, it's so warped that, that thinking. It's bizarre because funnily enough, like I've been on holiday to Turkey twice this year and both all inclusives and obviously haven't asked them specifically, do you have any non-alcoholic beer? Um, And they look at you. And yeah. then I'm like, I don't drink. And it, like, the amount of times are like, oh, well done. Like, that's amazing. And it's it still a Muslim country. And I think that's the thing. Like, for Muslim people, it's they, they're not touching alcohol at all. It's, I yeah. guess, and, and I guess the whole thing in Qatar at the moment about not drinking. And you think, like, we're so offended by that. But mm-hmm. actually, it's they don't want anything that alters their state of mind. Mm. That, I guess that's it is incredibly addictive, and that's why it's it's incredibly addictive. But the PR, the media machine, the marketing that goes on, it's like, well, it's your birthday, celebrate with a hundred pound bottle of ethanol and put it in a fancy glass, and you'll feel great. But it used to give me immediate heartburn, but yeah, I'd still glug it back. I'd still be like, look at me, you looking all fancy, Um, and I didn't enjoy cocktails actually, in truth. I didn't really drink alcohol that I enjoyed. And actually, I probably didn't mind a beer. But beyond that, I was drinking just to fit in. Like, I, I was always like, oh, I don't know what to drink. I'd go to a bar and be like, oh, I don't know what to have. Yeah. Like panic. Yeah. yeah. I, I wasn't great with alcohol. And if I drank wine, I knew it was going to end up a car crash. Um, and I didn't enjoy it. Because quite often, if you've never tried a wine before... You're like, yeah. can I get a bottle of house? And you're like, is this going to be like vinegar? I'm going to drink it anyway because I've spent 30 quid on it. Yeah. Um, it's, I think if people are honest with themselves, like, really, you like vodka and diet cola? I mean, it tastes like hairspray. If I was to spray hairspray in your cola, do you reckon you'd like that? Because that's what it tastes like. It's People do have. Yeah. It's a, it's a, we're conditioned and believe in that it's good and it tastes nice and this is what we do to celebrate and or how how we go out for a night out and it's yeah. I think like it, that feeling like you're missing out can be quite hard that you can't partake in that or that somehow you're like the dweeb in the corner that's not taking part you're like no I don't want the shop take it away take it take it take the shot because mm-hmm. these people are so drunk they really don't realize you're sober and you're like i've never done shots i feel like actually that was something as a a drunkard even i drew the line at shots like no, yeah I see I, I i was i was a shot heckler you know i was that person when i oh, drank my. that i would be like drink the shot what's wrong with you come on drink 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 <laughs> Um, I was that person, but, but I, 
have stopped drinking. And so what does that tell you? You know, I had a problematic relationship with alcohol. And so I understand now when I look back that I was very much that person that would completely avoid the sober person in the bar or or in the party. Like what, you know, almost treat them like a bit of an alien. Why would you not be drinking? (laughs) Drinking is great. Um, and I'd be the one forcing people to open the another bottle of wine when it was already half 11 at night and um, and forcing people to have shots that weren't comfortable with having shots. So I was so overpowering and overbearing in that situation because I needed to validate my drinking and I needed to drag everybody along with me to make well, to justify that it was okay for me to have another drink or have that drink and to get hold of more alcohol. Um, but yeah, also just, yeah, I mean, that's when I look back now, I, you know, of course I feel bad about that, but I can see that I was just had no off switch. Couldn't just like you couldn't stop. Um, once I'd got started and, those shots were disgusting. I mean, like they were always disgusting. There was, there's a reason why we would practically hold our nose when we take those sorts of paint strippery shots. I was but, always sick immediately. Yeah, they're, they're awful, aren't they? I mean, they're just, oh. what What was it that I used to have towards the end? Is it the Jaeger bomb where they oh. have the, the it's the... Um, Jägermeister, isn't it, with Red Bull? Is that right? And and a little shot inside the glass of Red Bull. I mean, I would drink uh, two, three, four of those in a normal night out on a Wednesday after work on top of a bottle and a half of wine. I mean, what the heck? Do you know what I mean? It's like it's Wednesday, but that's, that's what I think that, you know, towards the end of my drinking the last decade, that, that's what it, what it looked like and those shots I mean they are just all they did was make me black out and that yeah. because they get you drunk so quick it spikes yes. alcohol in your body and yeah. it was always I was just to say that it would be good night Vienna for me if I take one of those shots so yeah. although and I think my my worst drinking, although I did have some exploits when I was out and about, my worst drinking probably was when I was in the house, just drink, drink, yeah. drinking until I fell asleep somewhere. Because I think I was quite conscious that especially if I wasn't out with my husband, like how am I going to get home? Because he's not here to carry me or shove me into yeah. a taxi. Um, yes. But it's, it is setting those boundaries and parameters and saying, yeah, I'm going to go out and I'm going to get really drunk. So how am I going to get home? What's this going to look like? What's that? And in hindsight, I think, God, that's ridiculous. And if I heard my son talking about going out and getting so drunk that he was planning on not knowing how he was going to get home and things, like, I'd be angry and I would tell him off. But, I mean, okay, it's kind of like, you're a fine one to talk. You'd have been just as bad. And it's like, yeah, maybe. But do you know what? 20-odd years later... I'm telling you that it's not good for you. And it it's not good for your memory. Um, the bad things it does to your brain, and that's not good for you and your working life. You're not presenting your best self at work. Mm. Um, and I think, like, all of that, when I hear people saying that, what I do at the weekend should have no bearing on, like, my work. Like, I mean, my work previous, I work in construction, and kind of mandatory drug and alcohol testing, 
in our workplaces, which actually has stopped through COVID. Um, and I'm personally never used drugs, but having worked beside people who did, they were of the opinion that if I do that at the weekend, that's not going to affect this man of my work's business. And I'm like, well, I kind of have a different view on that, maybe from you. Like, I kind of think it probably does affect you yeah. during your week. Um, and you're kidding yourself on to say it doesn't. The reason they do it isn't to capture people that they think are morally misguided is because given the type of work that we undertake you would be compromising yourself or others if that's the kind of person you are like as in if you're taking drugs during the week they're trying to keep you safe um and alcohol is exactly the same that if you've driven to your place of employment and you've been tested at 12 in the day and you're drunk still the question then has to be raised that have you been drinking at work or you drunk from the night before and it's like it's a duty of care that your employer has Um, and it it is funny how people have these workarounds of yeah it's none of their business and it doesn't affect me and um, like in construction sales and safety is massive and the number of accidents that have happened and quite high profile ones that have happened to people who maybe been out the night before got in at three in the morning and made a decision which has led to like a fatality or paralysis or things like that and you're like actually they they do write and say these things that they do affect us and that's why they've implemented such um, stringent measures to keep mm. us all safe it's a pity that we don't implement them for ourselves that yeah. we complain that our work will mandatory testing and it's like yeah well they're only trying to look out for you and obviously their own insurance to make sure that we're not going to do anything silly but yeah it's quite uh, that isn't it that culture that's that's quite when you when you say I'd never thought about it really like that but then when you explain it like that it's I, I do I find it bizarre just looking back at my own drinking about how little I cared about the impact on my health of all that drinking and you know I I was that person that would go out and I would drink like somebody else was just going to pick me up at the end of the night and take me home. I just had no care of that in detail. I was just totally fixated on the alcohol. And there were many times, many, many times that I got home and I would have been in dangerous situations or I just completely was in a complete blackout and functioning normally, but having no, not forming any memories and not being able to remember the next morning. I mean, that is so dangerous as a woman as well um that is so dangerous and it's sort of like if I think about that too long it does freak me out but so um oh it's been such a wonderful chat but I realize I've not um there's a couple of questions I'd like to uh just ask before we get close to wrapping up but in terms of uh the things that you did to support yourself particularly in early sobriety so in the beginning and the first 100 days what what were those things that you did I think um I really reached out to Instagram I got loads of Instagram accounts of I'd say not just women because I have a few guys on there but mainly women girls that I kind of thought they're just the same as me and reading their stories and understanding they're cool and look at them they've gave up alcohol and look at all the gains that they've got and I think that was one of the big things for me looking at them and saying like the before and afters or like how they were 
when they were drunk, which was the same as me, to how they are now and saying, well, that could be me. So that was massive for me, like being able to see that. Because actually in our day-to-day life, number one, people don't put their hand up that often and say, I'm sober. So on these accounts, it's like, hi, guys, I'm sober and I'm proud and I'm here to help you if you need it. Um, so like those those women were amazing to be able to read their stories and, and all the different difficult situations that they were going through and still able to stop drinking throughout them. So that they were real big positives I think my husband helping was massive because although he didn't stop drinking me not drinking he cut back lots and I think that's it's good to have a supportive partner or people that support you um Mm -hmm. I think confiding in someone saying look I'm going to try and do this and like he's quite proud of me for doing it I thought he would be annoyed because we did enjoy our boozy time um but he isn't I think and that tells me everything yeah. So I thank God she's away, drunk, I need no more. Like, mm-hmm. I think he would probably admit that she didn't appear all that often, but it was obviously often enough for him to say, mm-hmm. good riddance. So yeah. I just keeping that comfort blanket of people close. And if you are having a difficult day or understanding your triggers as well, avoid them. Mm-hmm. Like, don't, if you think that that night out is going to be too much for you, then just don't go or... Yeah, like don't go into the shop. Ask your partner or order the food in, so you're not having to go in and deal with the the alcohol aisle or whatever. Um, yeah, avoidance has been. I don't know if sometimes if by avoiding it you're not facing up to it, but I think in the first short space of time, for your own sake, you have to really try and avoid it because I think I'd said that before with the smoking. There's the habit and the the addiction. You've got to detox. Yeah. Of it before you're going to be strong enough and that's just the physical reality of it it's like there is that oh do you know just one more you can go sober next week that little worms in your head all the time and it's like mm. you need to hold on to that worm and make sure it's not getting in your ear because yeah because it will try and talk to you um and it, thankfully that worm is gone now for me that doesn't mean that I don't miss the as I say, the glamorization of alcohol. Um, I feel that, but that's the media. That's how it's portrayed in the media. Smoking yeah. used to be a thing in the 80s. I mean, there was barely a film where there was a woman who didn't have a cigarette. Mm. Um, and maybe, maybe lifestyle choices will change. Maybe by the time we get to 2030, people will be cracking open a, a kombucha. I was going to say, kombucha, yeah. <laughs> I've only just found kombucha and it's like oh, opened up my world honestly How it's absolutely delicious yeah, it's gorgeous I it. yeah. I, I'm, although I'm sure I read on the bottle I had one from m and it was a brown bottle I can't remember the name it was but it did say that it had some form of because of the fermentation it had some mm. 0.01% of alcohol oh, this in it. Is the same as a banana or something I think uh, point, Point zero five is about yeah is 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 the same as you get in the banana. So, I it's uh, I, I think like the world changes, and I think we are going to see things change. I I think like for me getting sober this year, it's definitely almost like you say the whole world's sober. Like yeah. my God, these people that are boozing, they really are in the minority. Yeah, <laughs> they're not. But it feels a wee bit yes. like that. I think we're cocooned. 
and it feels like there's a tidal wave kind of happening that's in sobriety like more and more people are just choosing that path and I, I I think it's I think it's brilliant I really do I really think it's brilliant and it gives me some comfort although you know I'm sure there'll be other challenges when you know my kids are older and but I do feel like smoking has already lost its edge hasn't it smoking but certainly with alcohol I I do feel like it is getting less and less glamorous and that people young people are choosing health more health travel uh, I don't know, fashion blogging, you know, all sorts of different things. You know, a lot of a lot of these uh, media people, you know, that they're, they're, they're kind of they're in the gym or they're eating healthily, and they've got their air fryer, or you know, there's just other things, isn't there? And I think those things are starting to slowly become more glamorous, and fashionable. Yeah, when people look good, when people have great skin, and I think like. Everybody thinks Kim Kardashian has great skin, and she's never drank. She she says, "Oh, I just never liked it." And I think the amount of people that you can almost put them into these boxes and say they look young, they've got great skin. What's her secret weapon? Not dehydrating their body like nobody's business. I used to drink half a bottle of wine before I used to go weighing it because I knew my body would be so dehydrated. I could lose about five pounds through the dehydration, so I'd be like losing loads of weight in my weigh-in club which that tells you all you need to know I was like yeah as soon as I'm off those scales chugging back two litres of water because I'm so dehydrated it's not good for you I mean what is it doing your brain your skin yes yeah uh, it's just hideously bad I think it's not until you take that step back that you think you don't see it and then but then once you see it you can't unsee it so now I just I've just learned too much to ever go back and have a drink again, even if I had ever wanted it, which I do feel very thankful. Um, you know, three and a half years in, I can honestly say I never want a drink. I never think a drink would make a situation better. And, and, and I, I don't personally, but it took me some time to get there, right? I mean, it, I mean, for me, I think even a year and a half in, I remember seeing a glass of rosé on a pub you know, got beer garden table thinking, oh God, that looks nice. But I don't, I don't know. That's kind of gone now. That's gone. And I just think you can't, you can't unlearn what you learn. You can't unsee this, this new, brilliant, fresh, clear way of living. (laughs) It's hard not to be preachy though. Like, I think that's the hardest bit. I think what's the hardest bit trying to explain to people why you don't drink without sounding like you're some kind of raging alcoholic or without leaving them possibly thinking that like my god how much was you drinking like two bottles of vodka a day or but the other like hardest part is not being judgmental I feel like I'm like oh another one do you really think you need two like (laughs) it's like obviously I don't say it but it's kind of it is hard or when somebody's hung over the next day like like making that humming noise of yes I'm sober and I've enjoyed my night's sleep I uninterrupted and I'm now wide awake with no hangover yeah. um like I think I it's quite hard it's hard not to want to tell people but yeah um, 
But the benefit for me is my husband has cut back quite a lot. He never drank as much as me, but he has cut back a lot and he definitely sees the benefits from that as well. That I think in particular he says his memory and he feels like he's always consistent and when he turns up to work, he you're getting the full him now as well. And I think like I feel the exact same way, but it is interesting. It's almost like a kind of ripple effect it can have on other people where they they try it or they consider maybe not drinking for a while. Um I think that's that's I think that's the importance of being vocal about it and not being ashamed of saying, Oh, I don't drink or Yeah. It it validates it, doesn't it, for other people. And I think that's what's nice about being open and you know, this sharing stories on Instagram or in this podcast or in, or in other podcasts, it's it's just, it's great to keep pushing that narrative of validating that you can actually just feel a million times better if you take the alcohol away. And that not only does that need, that doesn't need to be really painful, you can actually really enjoy life and and like you reconnect with what fun really is and with people you connect with people in a way that maybe you hadn't before you know relationships a lot of the time people worry about oh but am I going to lose friendships but what about all the deeper connections you have with the people that you love and how much better the relationships are with your children and how much better your relationship is with work or with yourself how much that improves so it's so funny isn't it that we kind of kind of almost like in the beginning always really fearing the worst like looking on the really worst side of things but there's all this amazing stuff on the other side that's just far outweighs the negatives it's so funny because I think when I first stopped and I didn't do the list but probably it was maybe about two months ago I kind of got to a point of I imagine the list that I would have written at the start of why I can't stop or why I wouldn't like to stop versus the right side of the good things. Yes. And actually now, I cannot think of one good reason why you would want to drink. There isn't one. And I, I, I truly believe that, that it brings no good to you whatsoever. It costs loads of money. It can make you feel sick. It, makes you fat because it does like it's empty calories you're not getting anything from it you might do something ridiculous you might do something you regret the list is literally endless whereas on that other side it goes back to what you say that one glass of rosy in the beer garden for me it's always the the why why am I not doing this and that moment of doubt when the worm's in my ear it's like remember that tomorrow, if you have that one glass, it might not be the one. And tomorrow you may well be hungover, your day is ruined. It's it's reminding yourself of what the other side of drinking really looks like because at that moment where you might be tempted, it's just focusing your attention on, yeah, you might think it's this, but it's actually that behind the glamour is the shame the days lost, the destruction to your health, the, the number of relationships. And I actually sometimes think about the circumstances where things happen, where things occur. Mm. And for people's relationships and things that have been really bad, I think quite often they occur under the influence of alcohol, whether it's been somebody cheating or making a poor decision that has led to a 
breakdown in the relationship or a fight between a man and a woman or a woman and a woman. It's like these things happen because because of alcohol. And I don't believe they would happen. No. Without it. And it's like it is hard because some people are just like, I enjoy it, it's in my life, I don't I don't overdo it, um, and that's fine. But you don't need to tell me that. Like you don't need to share it with me. And that I feel is something that people do tend to do and they're like, Yeah, I don't drink. Why? Well, I just don't like it. It's not good for me. And then they tell you why they drink and how it's mm. okay for them. And you're like, no, I didn't. I'm not, not didn't really ask interested. that. Yeah. <laughs> what? Well, that is so weird. Why does that happen? I forgot about that. But that, because obviously now most people in my life, well, they've known for a long time that I'm not drinking. So I don't go, you know. But that, I remembered that. That really used to happen a lot. You say, oh, I'm not drinking at yeah, well, actually, I'm. We're, we're just drinking at weekends now, and we're, you know, they would just tell you their justification for their drinking. Like it's the mirror. I think society yeah. yeah. makes you kind of reflective of. It's like you're so transparent that they're like, "Oh well, I'm only drinking, and I don't do it too often." And you're like, "Okay, that's good for you. Yeah. I'm an absolute nutter when I've had a drink, but each to her own." Like yeah. because it's, I think uh, people do want to justify it and. Yeah. And I think that's totally all right. But I, I, I think I do. I mean, obviously, quite selfishly, there is a bit of me that thinks, what would the world look like if nobody drank? Mm. Um, like, would it be better? I don't know. I'm just, I suppose that's the thing. It's, I'm glad that it's not me. I'm so glad that I'm here and I'm present for my family and my children. My mum, my mum's 80. And it's knowing that, like, I don't know, when you become a mum, and I don't know if it's when you get older because it wasn't always like this, I feel like my life is everybody else's life. Um, I'm happy when everybody else is happy and fulfilled. And I feel sometimes alcohol is quite a selfish activity because it's you might be doing it in a group, mm. but actually you're doing it to yourself. You become like incapable or intolerant or whatever it is. And I think... I feel so much more there. I am more present for everyone all the time. Like I think even when we were on holiday, I'd be chugging back cocktails at the pool if I had been drinking. The kids would be wanting me to go and do something and I wouldn't want to go and do it because I'd just want to be lying by the pool getting drunk yeah. or having a nap in the sun because I was drunk. Yeah. And I just assumed everybody else was drunk. Like, yeah. I realised this year being sober actually the drunk ones are the minority they only make up like 15 percent of the parents around that pool and I wasn't looking at them in disgust I was looking at them kind of thinking god that was me yeah like kind of worried and thinking like just assuming that my husband always had it together that Mm. like he was always on guard and it's mad I'd like to ask you what your three tips would be but I wondered if you could make some of them relevant to Christmas period maybe that's coming up because this episode will probably go out before Christmas and I know there's a lot of anxiety for people uh, doing December and Christmas Day and New Year's even um, without alcohol. What would you say to those people? I think um, first and foremost, you're obviously going to be dressed up. You're going to look fantastic when you head out on your works to just think. When you start to think about alcohol in any way just remember that key thing you're going to look amazing at half 12 when the girls are taking instagram shots even though you've been out since three in the afternoon 
they're going to look immaculate when they're going to look like a dog's breakfast because you're going to be sober and you will look the exact same way as you walk in the door as the way that you left it. So I think for me that I always keep my head on that one because I definitely didn't come back in looking the way I went out previously. Um, and I'd quite often forget things while I was out as well. Um, I think having the backup plan, take your car. Don't leave any doubt about where you're getting home. Take your car. Don't think you're going to get the train. Don't think about getting the bus or somebody pick you up because those are options for me that could leave you making that decision when you're out to have the drink. Mm. It's much harder if you've parked your car and you know that you've got to be back for eight to say, I'm going to leave it there because it's going to get towed or you're going to get a hefty fine. So I think that kind of backup plan and saying, um, right, I've got that to do. I mean, my backup plan generally is like the fitness thing, knowing that I'm going to be getting up in the morning or I'm going to the gym or I'm doing this or that. Um, and I think the other thing for me is is remembering beyond the glamour of girls get with their champagne and their Prosecco is the following day, how you're going to feel, that shame, what might happen, that lack of certainty over your night. The one thing you can absolutely guarantee when you don't drink is that you own your night, you're in control. The minute you have one drink, that night belongs to Lambrini or whoever it is that's making the alcohol that you've decided to drink. You're no longer in control. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like it's a book that's been written when you're sober. It's a There's a whole pile of blank pages at the back the minute you have that drink. It's, and it's out with your control. It's somebody else's story that they're writing. And I think control your... Control your narrative. Decide who you want to be on that night out. Get glammed up. Do you know what? Really treat yourself. Buy a beautiful outfit. Even if you're a man, splurge a little. Go out. Look fancy. No one feel well that you're going to come back and feel fantastic after it. And do you know what? Make those connections. Go and speak to your boss and not have to worry the following day that you told him they liked his bum or said something horrific when you <laughs> land you in hot water on Monday morning because yeah. um, I've been there not quite the like these bum thing yeah. but definitely <laughs> having the flashback of oh my god I spoke to the boss yeah what on earth did I say yeah although that's it and you're tormenting yourself with the every possible worst thing that you've ever said in your life you're thinking could I have said that to him is that possible um, I have a good night enjoy it like, because these are things I'm telling myself, this is my first Christmas sober, it's my birthday next month. So I'm also kind of facing that and saying, do you know what, I've got this, this is um, it's in my control. I've did pretty much most of the last year. Um, yeah. And I think, and there's loads of people on Instagram ready, I'd imagine if you message them, if you're feeling any kind of doubt, message them and just say, I'm feeling a wee bit, I'm having a struggle because... Mm. They will message you back and they'll keep you on track and just kind of have a, a group Instagram hug of it's okay, we've got this. And uh, it's it's a good community to be part of. Reach out if you're struggling. Yeah, that's lovely advice. That really, really very practical tips. And like you say, if you reach out, that somebody will always reply. I know in this space, most people reply um so that's yeah fantastic advice when is your birthday next month my birthday's next month as well i'm the 17th ah i'm christmas day baby oh my god my sister-in-law's christmas eve yeah that's they're they're awful birthdays i'm on about mine but 
Yours is definitely Christmas Day. I just, you know, yeah, not to be one to try and outdo, you know, but but it's the it's the worst day. <laughs> I, I used to complain, even as an adult, I'd be like, "Well, I'm not putting up the Christmas tree until after my birthday. I don't want anyone forgetting it's my yeah. birthday that day." Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I would on. say, do not put my birthday present in Christmas wrapping paper. <laughs> yeah, or or like a Christmas birthday card. card. Yes. With, with a token oh and happy birthday at the bottom um so if you're open to people following you and your journey where can we find you i am on instagram and i can't quite remember my instagram handle because i think it's Irene mcgowan it might be Irene mcgowan too that's i'm not great at that but that's where i am I'm um, just having a little look. Yeah, it's Irene McGowan 2. So M-C-G-O-W-A-N 2. Um, oh, lovely. I've just got one question, actually. One like, final question for you. Um, and it's relating to your auntie who has passed. What do you think she would think of you um, looking down on you now? How would she feel? I think she would be really proud. I think... I think knowing that, I think somebody's legacy that they leave behind, um, knowing that part of what she left behind for so many was such a huge legacy, but she's changed my life massively for the better. And I think she will be pleased to see that. Um, Like she never ever said that my drinking had got out of control, but because she was not the kind of person that would say that, but she didn't drink. So I guess Mm. I, I think she would be happy because She'll see me being a better parent. Like I never, I probably haven't said that, but I feel, I feel like a parent. Before I just felt like Irene who had a couple of kids. Now I feel like I am a mum and mum is my job. Whereas, and what seemed previously Irene was just here to drink, but drinking was definitely a bigger part than it should have been. Mm. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, I know what you mean. I feel like I'm doing proper parenting now. <laughs> now we've got the the focus and the enthusiasm and the patience. Not always, yeah. to be honest, because oh. I still lose my shit at times. But the majority oh. of the time, it's all coming from a, a good, well-rested, stable place. Do you know, I think that's the one thing. Like, people think that you're going to stop drinking and suddenly you're going to become some saint. Nah, yeah. that's sadly <laughs> not going to be the case. If you were grumpy before, you might be a wee bit less grumpy because you're not hungover, but you're probably still going to be, fundamentally, you're going to be the same person on your best days. There's just yeah. going to be fewer of your bad days. And I think, like, I definitely do think I became a better person. I'm more charitable since I've stopped drinking. Like, I, I would say I see the good in most people. In fact, I almost see the good in everyone now. And I actually want to spend my time doing good for people, people I don't know, for people I do know. Um, which mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's saintly because I still swear like a trooper. And like I'm still me. And yeah. it, But at the same time, I feel like I've got so much to give for other people and I want to make other people's lives better as well. Like in whatever way it is, if you see somebody struggling, pick them up, help them. Yeah. It doesn't matter what it is and I feel I have more time for that now because it takes nothing when people say in a world where you can be anything be kind Mm. I genuinely think the gift that sobriety has given me is kindness and the ability to be kind 
but I'm questioning, like, like, I don't know what happens when you drink alcohol, but you've got no time for anybody else in that regard. Like, I don't know if it's just so consumed by it, but now I definitely feel much more capable of giving. So, yeah, I'd say that that for me is a big gift that I feel it's given. Maybe I'm just one step closer to being sainted. Saint Irene, I can see that. (laughs) Yeah. Make yourself a saint. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Yeah. That's been so nice, Irene. It's been such a lovely, heartwarming, honest chat and... Just, yeah, there's so much in there. There's so much for people to draw from and to learn from and to feel guided by. And I am truly grateful for your time today. And yeah, I wish you a very, very lovely Christmas. Your first sober Christmas going to be the best one yet, I bet you. And a very happy birthday for the 17th. Well, well, Since you're having a... (laughs) a birthday Christmas no but thank you very much I do wit her own so apologies that this is longer than it should have been but yeah I hope it helps even if it helps one person um we're all normal people and I think that's that's the best thing about this it's we're just normal people um and we have no hidden agenda other than just telling you how it is and I think so it's been great thank you but my husband will be wondering who I've been talking to for the last hour and a bit (laughs) oh it's been it's been brilliant really lovely and yeah thank you everybody else for listening and catch you next time thank you so much for listening to this podcast if you're interested in being a guest please contact me directly on instagram by sending a message to at sassy sober mum You can also find helpful tools and resources on my website, sassysobermum.com. If you enjoyed the podcast and you want to spread the love, please like, share and rate the podcast. I really look forward to next time. See you then.